0: Isaiah 26, beginning in verse 20 and going through the end of chapter 27. These are God's words. Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is past. For behold, Yahweh comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth will also disclose her blood and will no more cover her slain. And that day Yahweh with his severe word sorry, in that day Yahweh with his severe sword, great and strong, will punish Leviathan the fleeing serpent Leviathan that twisted serpent. He will slay the reptile that is in the sea. And that day sing to her A vineyard of red wine I, Yahweh, keep it. I water it every moment lest any hurt it I keep it night and day. Fury is not in me. Who would set briars and thorns against me in battle? I would go through them. I would burn them together, or let him take hold of my strength, that he may make peace with me, and he shall make peace with me. Those who come, he shall cause to take root in Jacob, Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Has he struck Israel, as he struck those who struck him? Or has he been slain, according to the slaughter, of those who were slain by him? In measure, by sending it away, you contended with it. He removes it by his rough wind in the day of the east wind. Therefore by this the iniquity of Jacob will be covered. And this is all the fruit of taking away his sin. When he makes all the stones of the altar like chalk stones that are beaten to dust, wooden images and incense altars shall not stand, yet the fortified city will be desolate, the habitation forsaken and left like a wilderness. There the calf will feed and there it will lie down and consume its branches When its boughs are withered, they will be broken off. The women come and set them on fire, for it is a people of no understanding. Therefore, he who made them will not have mercy on them, and he who formed them, he will show them no favor. And it shall come to pass in that day that Yahweh will thresh from the channel of the river to the brook of Egypt, and you will be gathered one, one, all you children of Israel. So it shall be in that day. The great trumpet will be blown. They will come who are brought about to perish in the land of Assyria, and they who are outcasts in the land of Egypt, and shall worship Yahweh in the holy mount at Jerusalem. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word, Uh, we're still in that section of isaiah where there are uh, a series of temporal judgments uh, each looking forward to and foreshadowing in some way the great and final judgment Uh, but here at the end of chapter 26 uh, you have the lord hiding his people because he is coming out for a judgment that is greater even than any that has been brought on israel until this point Uh, the world is going to testify now uh, about all of the violence that has ever taken place in it. When he talks about the earth disclosing her blood and not covering the ones in her who are slain, the ones of her who are slain, uh, it reminds us all the way back to Genesis 4 uh, when Cain had killed Abel and uh, the Lord uh, told Cain that the blood of Abel is crying out from the ground. Well, now all the blood that has ever been shed on the earth is about to be avenged. Uh, And not only is God judging all men, but he is judging the devil himself. As you see in the first verse of chapter 27, that day Yahweh with his severe sword, great and strong, punishes Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, the twisted serpent, the reptile of the sea, Uh, And as we know, he's called the serpent in Genesis 3, and the great dragon who is that ancient uh, serpent in Revelation 12. Uh, This is definitely uh, that punishing of Satan uh, and all who belong to him, uh, spirit and man. The wicked are about to be cast into the lake of fire prepared for the devil and his angels as the Lord Jesus describes it in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41. The wrath of God is surely coming. And the only way to be spared in that day is to be among those whom God addresses as my people. Come, my people. To be those uh, for whom the Lord has prepared a place with him Uh, Your chambers, come my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. And so we see that there are those who have safety with the Lord. And if your safety is with the Lord, And we know especially now that that's safety in the Lord Jesus himself. Safety in Christ, safety in his righteousness, commending you being your own righteousness before God, safety in his atonement, having wiped away your sin so that he died and rose again and sits at the right hand of God and intercedes for you so that God justifies you and Christ intercedes for you and no one will bring a charge against you and no one can condemn you in that day. This is the only way to come to the day that is described at the end. Of Isaiah twenty-six, and if we come to that to the uh, the last day, belonging to God in the Lord Jesus, indwelt by the Spirit of the Lord Jesus, who is of course also the Spirit of the Father from the Father and the Son. If we come in that day, then we have an opposite situation in verses two through six. Uh, then. Uh, to the situation that was back in chapter 5. Back in chapter 5, we were in the section where uh, there was the king to come that was being introduced and prophesied. The king to come, of course, is uh, God himself in the course of that uh, section of the book of Isaiah. And we know that the king to come is Jesus, God, and man in one. Uh, And yet in that section, God was making a case, or made a case, beginning of chapter 5 against Israel Uh, he said she was the wrong kind of vine Uh, he took the vine he planted her in the wilderness he did everything for her that uh, that you can do for a vine Uh, and he makes the challenge as he's bringing suit against her what could be done for her that I didn't do for her and yet when the time came to bear fruit what did she bear she bore those nasty wild grapes that, uh, that we have on the wild vines that we see. Not good uh, for eating, not good for making uh, good wine. Uh, but here, what do you see in this vine on the last day when God has slain and destroyed his enemies? And that day sing to her, A vineyard of red wine. And you see the picture in verse 4, verse 3 of the gardener, the husbandman, keeping the vine uh, and enjoying the vine, delighting to attend to the vine and delighting in the fruit of the vine. Uh, This is what Jesus is describing uh, when he says in John 15, starts out in John 15, I am the true vine. And we say, oh, that makes so much sense. Jesus is the Isaiah 27 vine and Merely ethnic Israel that violated covenant with God and bore all sorts of horrible fruit. Uh, That was the vine. That's the Isaiah 5 vine. So Jesus says, I am the true vine. And you say, yes, you are, Lord Jesus. You are the Isaiah 27 vine. And then there is this amazing uh, next statement, and you are the branches. This is what you're invited to be when you're invited to be one with Christ, to believe in him and belong to him and have your life for Him, you are invited to be the one upon whom and from whom Jesus is producing good fruit so that the Father, the vine dresser, who keeps it and waters it every moment, lest any hurt it and keeps it night and day, and he sings to her or commands to be sung to her maybe, the song, a vineyard of red wine, that the father would rejoice over his son, the vine, and the fruit that comes off of the branches that have been grafted into his son. That's what God is inviting us to in the last day. This is one reason why Christians love to bear fruit. It shows that Christ is the true vine. It doesn't say, I am the true branch. No, <laughs> the the. The fruitfulness of the branches because it's in the true vine. Our fruit shows that Christ is the true vine. Our fruit delights the Father who is the vine dresser. And he attends to and takes care of the branch that is producing fruit so that it will bear more fruit. But you remember also uh, there in John 15 what Jesus was saying in line with what's here is that if the branch is not in the vine, then it will be thrown into the fire. Now, one of the wonderful things about the description of the vine here is it doesn't end uh, with the first line of verse 4, Fury is not in me. Uh, So he has put away all of his wrath. That's a description of propitiation. Uh, He's put away all of his wrath concerning his people. Uh, But there are even some who are currently making themselves his enemies that he could and will, if he doesn't redeem them, utterly destroy. And he says, who would set a briar or a thorn against me in battle? He said, I would go through them, I would burn them together. And yet, those who are briars and thorns, those who would, set themselves against God, what does he do for them instead, in verse 5? Or, I would, that uh, I would is implied from uh, the last two lines of verse 4. I would let him take hold of my strength, that he may make peace with me, and he shall make peace with me. And so here is the great God who shows his greatness and power and justice, sometimes by wrath, and greatness and power, and the cross says also justice, even in mercy, by taking those who are his enemies and making peace with them and bringing them into uh, this picture of the vine uh, so that the vine outgrows its location in verse 6. Those who come he shall cause to take root in Jacob. We are implanted into Christ. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill, not Palestine, the face of the world with fruit and so he describes he describes the uh, the two types of chastening the chastening that he has uh, given Israel is not to be compared with the judgment that falls upon the wicked it's a it's a sanctifying chastening and he asks the question he puts the rhetorical question for seven has he struck Israel has he struck those who struck him? Or has he been slain, according to the slaughter of those who were slain by him? Uh, and therefore, you know, he's describing how uh, God uh, chastens his his people not with the same death stroke, but with a sanctifying stroke. When God punishes his people, him he is bringing to be this vine. Uh, in the last day, and Jesus identifies himself, of course, as the true vine. Uh, When God punishes those who are believing in Christ, uh, it is a chastening punishment, it is a sanctifying punishment. So he says, in measure by sending it away, he contended with it. He removes it by his rough wind in the day of the east wind. And so God brings the chastening, and we struggle through it, just like in our lives, he brings suffering, he brings those uh, those difficulties when we struggle through it, and then God removes it. Uh, as with a wind that blows away a cloud of locusts or many other moments in the Bible where the same kind of imagery or even event occurs, and he says, therefore by this the iniquity of Jacob will be covered. Uh, and this is all the fruit of taking away his sin. God is the one who not only makes us a different kind of vine by grafting us into Christ, but he is the one who gives whatever is necessary so that we will bear fruit. And that's what the pain in the life of a Christian is. It is whatever is necessary so that as sin is taken away, there is more and more fruit. Now, in this case, in in verse 9, Uh, The need for an altar is eliminated, and of course the presence of all false worship is also eliminated. Uh, It's coming to uh, a climax at last uh, of the Lord having gathered all his people in. And so there's two different types of vines. The type of vine that Israel was, that everyone is apart from Christ, and then the Christ vine, into whom all believers Uh, from Adam to the end of the world, uh, are engrafted. And there's also the two different cities. There is the heavenly Zion, uh, those uh, who come to worship Yahweh in the Holy Mount at Jerusalem. And so there's the two different vines, and then there's the two different cities. You remember Tyre uh, was a representative of what we came to call the world city, uh, as the uh, as all of those who are against the Lord gathered together as one reminiscent of, uh, of Babel and the world city is being destroyed. Uh, and here we see the world city again uh, in verse, uh, uh, verse 10 to 11 and then the gathering of the holy city in verses 12 and 13. The fortified city will be desolate, the habitation forsaken, left like a wilderness, There the calf will feed, and there it will lie down and consume its branches. When its boughs are withered, they will be broken off. The women come and set them on fire, for it is a people of no understanding. Therefore, he who made them will not have mercy on them, and he who formed them will show them no favor. And so verse 10 and 11 are describing that other vine, that other city, the vine that Jesus warns us that if we are not in him, then that's us. That's what he's saying in John 15. If you are not in him, then you are in the verse 10 and 11 portion uh, of Isaiah 27. Uh, But what about the holy city? The holy city, you see, uh, verse 12, the the precious Yahweh will thresh uh, and he describes threshing from the channel of the river to the brook of Egypt. It's a way of saying over the whole earth and you will be gathered one by one. Uh, In other words, he will get every last one of his elect. He will not permit a single grain to be lost. So uh, we may feel and seem in uh, in the vastness of the world and maybe even in the eyes of the world, maybe even in our own eyes, to be small and unimportant, like one grain of wheat in an entire harvest. I mean, who cares about one grain in an entire harvest? Well, Isaiah 27:12 says, "The Lord cares." One by one, He He makes sure that He has each grain. He will not leave you out if you are His and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are His elect from all founda- from the foundation of the world. And the Lord Jesus Christ. He will not leave, He will not leave you out. Uh, so this great trumpet blows. Uh, verse thirteen, and we know uh, all of the all of the other last day imagery in scripture connected to the blowing of the trumpet. The great trumpet blows. Every one of the grains has been collected, and the grains are gathered, and they worship Yahweh in the holy mount at Jerusalem. And so there's the new creation vine, and there's the new creation, world city. Those who belong to the other vine, the other city, they are burning now. They are cast into the fire that is prepared for the devil and his angels, as we read all the way back up in verse 1. But all oh, the blessedness of being grafted into Christ, of being part of the the true vine, of being attended to continually by the Father while life flows continually into us from the Son, uh, all by the work of the Spirit who is uh, signified to us as water and living water. Uh, And we bear fruit, and God delights in the fruit that is born, and we worship him without one of us missing. Truly Isaiah 27 uh, uh, sets before us, in poetic form, in imagery form, um, the glorious reality that awaits those who are in Christ. Reality that is so great and so good that we can hardly lay hold of it by faith even now. Yet we desire that the Spirit would give us to know it more. If we knew more of the goodness of what we have in Jesus already and the goodness that we shall all have with him together at the end, how much more willingly and eagerly uh, we would and ably, we would be able to bear fruit now in our lives. May the Lord grant that we would know it more by the help of his spirit. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for this wonderful portion of your word in, uh, in Isaiah and we're grateful, Lord, that you' have given us a little bit of ability to understand it. We pray, that by your Spirit's help we would understand it more and more, and that even as we look forward to uh, that glorious day in which these things have been perfected, we pray that the joy of being yours in Christ would be ours now and that we would love to bear fruit that pleases you and that shows the life of our Savior, our Redeemer, the true vine, and the effectual work of the Spirit by whom you water us, and so come and water us by your Spirit. Give us life, we pray, and grant to us to live today in a hope and a joy that overrules all of our apathy, uh, all of our worldliness, uh, all of our discouragement, but give us to live in fellowship with you, O God. And we thank you and praise you most of all that when the day comes that the wrath is shown that you will be the one who hides us because we are your people. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.